0: So grab a Bible, if you will, please, this morning, and let's talk a little bit about what we're expecting God to do in us and through us this year. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking. It's almost towards the end if you take the whole book. It's three-quarters of the way, seven-eighths of the way through. And uh, you'll find a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'd invite you to take that, if you will, please. And uh, if, you, um, are, if you don't own a Bible, take the one there. It's on page 1757 if you're looking in the Pew Bible or maybe you've got it on your smartphone. Can I remind everybody, there are great programs out on the web that can get you Bible reading throughout the coming year. I'd suggest if you want somewhere to start, Les and I are both doing this this year. Uh, we're, gonna, we're working with version. It's an app you can have on your phone or you can do it via the computer. And uh, Les and I are both doing the chronological version. We'll read through all the Bible in one year and they line it up for you. And so you might look at that. I, that came to you free of charge. The other services didn't get that this morning, okay? If you're a guest with us today, let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne, and I'm part of the pastoral team here, and we're looking forward to a good year together. Um, I suppose that with the year in front of us, you've got some things. Okay, you know, this is kind of the marking point where we go, okay, what do I want, how do I want this year to be different from last year? And what are the things from last year I'd say, okay, goodbye to that, and hello... what what New Year's resolutions do you have? Perhaps some of you have the goal of getting married this year. I don't. I'm already married. That's good, right? Uh, Perhaps you plan to have a child this year. Leslie, we're not having children this year, are we? No, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to say, I'd like to, I'd like to start college this year. And you, you say, well, I've got to graduate from high school first. Well, yeah, maybe this is the year you graduate from high school and college is looking at you in the fall. Or maybe you graduated from high school 30 years ago and you're saying, man, I'd like to get some more education, so I'm going to go to college this year. Uh, maybe you have a mind to start up those piano lessons you quit back in the fifth grade and you have regretted ever since, Benjamin Kent. But nonetheless... <laughs> That was 40 years ago? Uh, For some of you. But 2017 is the year you plan to take them up again, yeah. He always says to me, Dad, why'd you let me quit? I said, son. There was a point where it was just pointless, but there you go. He says, oh, you should have. My kids are not giving up on the fifth grade. Okay, take a run at it. He says to me, Dad, you're going to teach them. I said, Oh, I yeah, am. Am I? Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. All right, so what are other people thinking for the coming year in terms of their plans? Um, uh, I, I've looked around on the web. There was a recent survey done with 5,000 people, which I think is a fairly decent sample. 5,000 people who have some ideas for the coming year. It's 46% of them, this one strikes me as so funny, enjoy life to the fullest. So in other words, 54% are planning to enjoy life to the non-fullest. What kind of people are they? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me, okay? I'm g- only half of us are going to have life to the fullest. The rest of us could care less. What, what's with that, okay? Live a healthier lifestyle, 41%. So 59% are just not going to have a healthy life. It doesn't <laughs> lose weight, 40%. Save more, spend less, 33%. Pay down debt, 27%. I think they all seem reasonable at at first glance, don't they? And you go, okay, that's reasonable stuff. I was looking around, though. That's kind of 5,000 people, general population stuff. But there's some individual New Year's resolutions that are a little more specific and that might apply to you more concretely. For example, here's one that's out there. I will not tell the same story at every get-together. Some of you got together last night with friends and you told the same story again. You've already blown it, all right? Don't point to anyone who does that over and over again. I will not bore my boss with the same excuse for taking leave. I'm going to think of some more excuses. (laughs) I'll conserve more water. I'll bathe less frequently. Well, if you do that, there'll be less (laughs) get-togethers. There's that to think. There is that, and I'll try to figure out why I really do need nine email addresses. Some of you do have lots and lots of email addresses. It doesn't make sense to me. But in the midst of all the plans that you have for the coming year, all the resolutions that you've got on hand, I've got some news for you today today about what the Bible says about your life for the future. And um, I need to tell you straight up, While there's some good news, there's also some bad news. It's one of those good news, bad news things, and so I assume that you'd like to hear the bad news first, so you walk out with some good news as well. So let me start then with the bad news, and that is, this is very scriptural in in this way, that while the new year offers all sorts of possibilities of some new attitudes and some new habits, you can't make a new person out of yourself just by sheer determination alone. Now, I, I know, well, what do you mean I can't? Don't you believe in the abilities of human beings? Absolutely I do. I believe that God enables us to be creative. That's part of God's image that's built into both our human psyche and even our bodies that we can improve. With effort and diligence, all people can improve their life habits, can improve their life stories. We can literally pull our lives up by the bootstraps and God expects us and plans for us to succeed in those moments of striving. But the reality is that our own striving will only carry us so far because surviving on true grit will not work. That's the bad news. Because as we are people today, we are not fully complete because of something that theologians call the fall. Human beings are human in that we make mistakes. And you cannot stop that. You can't deal with your own mistakes, even your own sin. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. When we walk with Christ, when we honor God by living a life that follows scriptural lifestyles, then we're able to accomplish much more. In fact, through walking with Christ, we are restored to the abilities and the functions that God originally had in mind for us, and that's exactly what our passage of scripture says today. Would you read with me Second Corinthians beginning at verse 16. It says this, So from now on regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If anyone is in Christ, it says, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. There's the bad news, that we have some sins, but the good news is that God has already taken care of those sins. If we walk with him, then all of that is; ta- those sins are forgiven. We are reconciled. We are made right before God. We have new ideas and new possibilities. That's why your goals for 2017 are possible, because of what God has done in you through Jesus Christ if you follow him. So our sins are no longer counted against us, and he has committed to us. Our commission, our responsibility, is the message of reconciliation. We are to tell others of what God has done in our lives, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what I'm saying when I, when I say that, hey, through the work of Jesus Christ, the functions and the abilities that you were designed to have initially that have been marred and broken and taken away from you as a result of your sin and the whole sin of, the, of humanity as a, combined, that is all restored to you because we read this in verse 17. Did you see it? That if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. There's the good news of the day, that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. And your plans for 2017 are much more possible because of God's work within you. We could say God's workmanship in you. God's. When we say workmanship, we have to say God's creation within you. Do you see that word creation there? That if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Maybe if you understood a little bit more of that word "creation" in the original text, back in some language, some language studies, that would be help you. That word, as it was written by Paul originally, and and as we have it in Greek, is that. Um, well, I maybe could explain it this way. There are different levels to the word. If you were to uh, learn if somebody in your family or a friend who is about to have a baby, the baby's born, and you say, I want to give a gift to that child and to that family, you'd do it a, different, a number of different ways. You'd say, I'd like to buy them a teddy bear. Well, okay. There are different levels of workmanship that are available in different bears, if you will, that determine its value. If it's made on a machine in a factory, it would have one value, a step up, would have it being made by hand in someone's home. In fact, if you see an item that says handmade by so-and-so or handmade in Brazil or wherever, you go, okay, that sort of somehow, I don't know how it works exactly, it seems to increase the intrinsic value of the item simply because it seems, well, there had to be a little more care or a little more something involved in that, a handmade sweater. Is usually more valuable than, if you will, than a sweater produced in mass by a machine. It means if it's handmade, where this goes is that there are some unique characteristics about it that are not duplicated anyone else because a machine, base, a, a machine builds things and makes things based on uniformity, which is fine. But a person produces a product that is usually based on individuality. For example. A lady in the church this year graciously handmade three of these little bears for our family when we had three grandbabies. And at first glance, they all look alike until you start looking at them and you think, how many hours did she graciously and kindly work on this for our grandkids? We have three of these. And you go, how lovely is that? Now that doesn't devalue the other gifts we received at all. But you, you, you get the sense, Okay, do we ever let the kids touch this almost, you know what I mean? Because they'll slobber on it and that sort of stuff. And, 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 and so you get the sense, okay, do I hold it differently? I don't know. Do I, do I let the kids have it? You know, of course, because that would be the intent. But my, what I'm trying to get you to understand is when we say the word creation, there are actually three levels. Paul understands that there are things that are produced even in his culture, by mass production. There are things that are produced by individuality. But the word creation has a third level altogether about it. Not machine-made, not handmade, but this verse in Second Corinthians introduces a new level of production and workmanship that is beyond that. It it introduces an understanding of creation that is only possible by God. It's divine workmanship. In other words, it's God working in you, it's God at work. In other words, when, when, when you read right here that though we were once regarded Christ in this way, we do know so longer, and if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. You, you used to be like everybody else, if you will, but now, That creation is working in your life. The possibilities of 2017 are so powerful because you're you're no longer living and your creation is no longer based on uniformity. But each of us is ultimately and uniquely created by God. Our inherent value is far above anything machine or handmade. Every human being is designed and made by God at this level that only God can do. And when we read that God has made us a new creation, it literally means that we are more than machine-made or handmade. Instead, we are God-made, and that's a way new level. So here's the good news for you in light of that. Your resolutions for 2017 can be accomplished as God is in control of your life and your lifestyle. And suddenly the, so you say, okay, I've got this and this, and these are some projects I have, and these are some ways I want to change who I am. Now it's not accomplishing all that stuff simply based on your own sheer determination. But now the work of the Holy Spirit is flowing through you, and you can actually say, okay, I'm going to work. I'm I'm, I'm going to work my tail off if I have to. But as I do so, I'm going to lean into God, and I'm not going to stress about it. I'm going to do as the psalmist says. I'm going to be still, and know that God is God. I'm going to rest in all of that, and know that God is making this creation. It's not me trying to make it myself, being human made, but there's a divine work of God within me. It's not up to me any longer. The Apostle Paul put it this way, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We, you are God's work. This isn't machine workmanship. This isn't handmade. This isn't human workmanship. This is if, if, a strange word, if you will. We'll make it up. Godship work or something like that. Work, Godship. I don't know, something like that where we say God is engaged fully. God made you and said and oh, by the way, as I've made you, I've prepared some things for you beforehand that you should walk in. I've got some things already lined out that for 2017, I've already got some ideas of what I want you to do, and you just got to walk in them. You just got to step in, you got to lean, lean against me, and let's just walk through it together. What does that mean? Well, 2 Corinthians declares that the old is gone. Your own striving is now removed. You rely on God. There are now new days and new opportunities for God to be at work in you. And 2017 suddenly is a year full of all kinds of possibilities. Look at what some of that work might be, the things that God has prepared in advance. It says that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is, from, is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And this work that we have, these tasks, part of these resolutions we have is that He has committed to us, He has commissioned us with the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as if God was making his appeal through us, as if God is going to, in order to reach the world, God's going to work through us. So in light of all of this, what we've heard so far, what can we say? Well, first, that we are the product of God's work. Our inherent value is far above anything that's machine or handmade. We are designed by God. And look at what we're designed to do. We are made, we are created. We are a new creation in order to bring a message of reconciliation to others. We are Christ's ambassadors. If you're saying, what's my job description for 2017? There's the title, I'm a Christ ambassador. That's your commission. The old is gone, the new has come. I've been assigned to God's work, I'm commissioned, and I'm commissioned as God's ambassador. Well, that's cool, isn't it? I'm I'm an ambassador. Okay, so what does an ambassador do? Because we're, we're about to see a lot of political appointments made in the coming weeks, and we're going to see new ambassadors sent on behalf of the new uh, federal administration to go all over to different nations around the world. And as those ambassadors go out, what are they, what are they supposed to do? And what, what kind of characteristics would we expect out of them? Well, for example, say, say the new administration out of Washington, uh, appoints a new ambassador to Japan. What, what characteristics of that person would we expect as an ambassador so then we can say, okay, if that's what that person does, that's my responsibility as Christ's ambassador? Well, first, his or her native language would probably not be Japanese. While he or she might learn some Japanese in order to communicate more effectively, U.S. English is what is probably going to sit more easily on that ambassador's tongue. Christians, as Christ's ambassadors, our native language should be different from those around us, right? If, scripture says we are Christ's ambassadors, and if that's the case, then we should sound and we should use language that's different than, around the world, different than the world around us. And while others may speak of bitterness or rage or hostility from one person to another, or even hostility toward the things of God, Christians don't talk that way. Instead, we speak of love. We use words of forgiveness and we have a language that has a natural disposition to seek spiritual values. That's part of who we are. If, that's our jo- if to be an ambassador is our job, then that's part of who we are. We have some other characteristics as well, and that is that we carry a different citizenship because an ambassador carries a different citizenship and has a different home from the host country. The ambassador to Japan may live temporarily in Tokyo but he or she is there on a diplomatic passport that belongs to the United States of America and in the long run while that person may be in Tokyo for a brief period of time in the long run they have to come back to America don't they well it's similar to Christians Our true home is in heaven with God. We are here on earth as temporary inhabitants, and we carry a passport that's different than non-Christians. That is, we carry the name of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the front of the passport, it says, a follower of Jesus Christ. Our picture may be inside it, but it's about Jesus Christ. You could... I, I want to see if you can figure this out with me, if you'll do me a favor. Will you get, look in your wallet or your purse right now? I want you to get out something. I want you to get out your driver's license, okay? And, and um, some of you may not have a driver's license, but we're, we're, we're going to do something that uh, you didn't anticipate we were going to do today. We're going to share our driver's licenses with each other. Not give them to each other, but we're going to look at each other's photos. And so you go, I don't want them to see my photo, okay, because it wasn't pretty. Well, in order to set the stage for that, I'm willing to show you some of some bad photos on my part, okay. So take a look at this photo, these, this, this slide right here, of various photos of me <laughs> that are off passports and driver's licenses, okay. So the one on the lower left is when I was a sophomore in high school at Len Shepard Jr., secondary school. Um, The one on the lower right is when I had a mustache that had a life of its own. (laughs) Up in the upper right, I was 17 years of age. That was a government ID. And then um, that, the one in the middle up top, is my most recent driver's license. Isn't that awful? It's like about 45 pounds ago. And then the one on the left is my, is um, what is about to be my most recent passport. I have to get a new passport. And isn't it, you're not allowed to smile. What's with that? You're supposed to look like a hoodlum or something or other or a criminal. So that's, that that hasn't even gone to the government yet. I just got that a couple of days a couple of weeks ago, get ready for a new passport. So, having seen all that, would you show your pass your your driver's license to each other and so with great trepidation, right? Some of them are terrible, aren't they? Who makes us look like that? All right, there you go. Make sure you get yours back. Here's my point. Do you know, can I tell you something about that driver's license? It may have your photo and your name on it, but who owns it really? The state of Illinois, or whatever state you're from, right? Who owns the passport? If you have a passport, who owns the passport? The United States government. You don't own the passport, right? Your name is inside it. You, you paid for it. But in the long run, the state of Illinois has the right to call that and say, we don't want you driving anymore, we want it back. Or the U.S. government has the right. And it t- sometimes the responsibility to remove passports and say, you can't leave the country. Can I remind you that when you're part of the life of the church, big C, Jesus Christ paid for you to be in the church. He paid for your sins to be forgiven. And while your face is in the church, the church belongs to him. And we have the responsibility to do exactly what he calls us to do. We are Christ's ambassadors. And you may feel like you're, man, I got a license to tell Tell the church what to do, and to, not just the I'm not talking about individual congregations, but I have a... No, no. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And we are here temporarily on a diplomatic passport that's called the cross of Jesus Christ. And based on that, we read just a minute ago that Paul the Apostle said, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which he's prepared for us to do. We have something else to do as ambassadors. Just as the ambassador to Japan must carry um, that passport and everything, what does he do, what does she do once she gets to Japan? They are to deliver messages from the United States to the people of Japan. That's our same responsibility, that as Christ's ambassadors, we are to bring the message of Jesus Christ to this world around us. Again, let me read the scripture. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. We all like that. Hey, that's the great news. I'm a new creation. I'm being made in the way in which only God can make. And this is how it happened. All came from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. So it's all all God done, but then notice what happens then. Based on that, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Okay, so sins can be forgiven. And based on that... What are we supposed to do? He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the message we're to bring to other people on God's behalf. We're to bring a message of reconciliation that, yes, you, you too can be a new creation. You too can have your sins forgiven. We ought to tell others that God has indeed reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. In other words, for the tasks of 2017, for the responsibilities of 2017, for the resolutions and the goals and the hopes, as important as that list is, it's not for our sake, but for the sake of God's workmanship in us and in other people. Others are to know that God cares for them and that God loves them. In that regard, I've been watching the news like you have And I've been reminded of the work of the devoted followers of Jesus Christ in other places around the world. For example, in the news in the recent days, perhaps you're familiar with the story of the war-torn city of Aleppo, Syria. Um, The city has been under siege for some three years. And I want you to see a couple photos of sites in the city of what it looked like before the war began and now that the war is over you'll see some before and afters, same vantage point of the photographers, what the photographer is doing. We've, we are aware that there are actually three different factions fighting in the city. You have the forces of the Syrian government, the dictator's government, who are backed by the Russians. They are fighting rebels, so you've got, if you will, uh, the, the Syrian-backed regime, a dictatorship that's being supported by the Russians and they're fighting rebels, Syrians who are saying, we don't want a dictator anymore, we want a more western style democracy. You've got those two groups fighting with one another and you add to that a third faction right in the middle of it, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, if you will, four factions, but ISIS and Al-Qaeda are working together in this case and you don't know who's your enemy and who's your your friend in that city. Three years ago there were five million people living in Aleppo, today there's one one and a half million. The city has been reduced to rubble. And you know, there are Christians there working today, caring for the people of Aleppo. They are making a reconciling difference in the city so that those who are left behind will know that Jesus Christ loves them and that God loves them in the midst of that chaos. One one man that's sort of risen to the top and is leading the Christian charge, there's a Catholic uh, priest by the name of Ziad Hilal. just this week, he uh, had a conversation with a reporter from the Christian Post. And he says, as the, as the ceasefire between all three factions has held for a few days, people are, more people are leaving the city. But as they leave, the humanitarian crisis there continues to be absolutely staggering. This is what he said. Many people had to evacuate their houses and shops due to violence. Many lives were lost, leaving countless numbers of widows and orphans. In other words, most of the men in the city have been killed. They were on either side of the, whatever group they were in, and so there's lots of orphans and widows. Trees and park benches have been chopped up for heating because it's wintertime. There is no fuel and gas. The result of this past evacuation was a lot of homeless families living in the streets and deserted factories under buildings that were in the midst of being constructed, and it's been a very cold winter." He said, the children haven't been educated for three years. They haven't been in school for three years, and this is a catastrophe for the upcoming generation. How will they learn? He said, there are diseases spreading among the women and children because they don't have men in their lives to help them out. The humanitarian conditions are horrific. The city has been without electricity the past six months. There's been no electricity. Imagine our community of 100,000 if we didn't have electricity. Multiply that to 1.5 million people. How desperate it must be there. Water is cut off. Many parts of Aleppo haven't had water for 40 days. If you went without water for three days, you'd be, we'd go to Walmart, right? What about what do you do when Walmart is no longer there? The old historic churches located in the old city are destroyed beyond restoration. And I think as Americans, in all honesty, we get a little tired of all the crises around the world, don't we? We've listened and dealt with the situation in the Middle East, particularly in an intense way since 9-11. And I think we've kind of had our fill of it, Our election kind of proved that in many ways. I get all that. But in the meanwhile, you got lives that are in desperate need. There used to be 120,000 Christians in Aleppo. It's been reduced now to 30,000. And you know what those 30,000 Christians are doing? Here's the good news. They are being Christ's ambassadors in a place of desperate hardship, in a place where people don't know Jesus. It's a Muslim community apart from that. And this is what they are doing. They are providing, catch this, 10,000 hot meals per day for all the needy people. Yeah, let's, let's thank the Lord for them. Yeah. Oh, come on, that was patty cake. If you're going to thank him, thank him. There you go. Yeah. They're providing 10,000 baskets a day with food and non food relief supplies. And this is what he said I, I love this language. All the churches in Aleppo, all the Christians do their duties toward their communities and the Muslims in need. You know what they're doing? They're saying, we are the new creation. 2017 is in front of us. 2016 was absolutely horrid, as was 2015 and 2014. But we're going to be the people of God who God calls us to be in the places where we live and in the places where we used to work. We don't have jobs anymore. There's nowhere to work. But we're going to do what we can to take care of these people. They are Christ's ambassadors. They're speaking language of love and care. They're working in places far from safety. And they have a message that God wants to be engaged in the lives of the people who are experiencing horrific times, the people of Aleppo. I trust that 2017 will be a great year for you. Absolutely, I trust it'll be a great year for our church. I look forward to seeing how God's going to work in you and in me and our church. And I look forward to seeing how we're going to discover what it means again to be Christ's ambassadors in our community. And I guess I'd go back to the hymn. In clouds and in sunshine. Great language of 150 years ago. We sang it a minute ago, earlier a few minutes ago. I look forward to seeing how God's going to work in all of that and through us. Would you pray with me, please? God in heaven. Uh, great number of people here today. And uh, we're looking forward to all the events of 2017. We know there are some challenges somewhere along the way in that. Fair enough. But we're also thankful that we are your we are, we, we, are, we are being made into new creations by you. And that work within us goes beyond machines, it goes beyond human hands. It is a divine work that only you can accomplish. So for all our tasks and our resolutions for the coming year, we're gonna lean into you, God. Oh, we'll, we'll do our part. We'll work hard. We'll, we will pull up our bootstraps and we'll, we'll take on the tasks because we, we want to step into the situations that are horrifying. We want to step into the situations where everybody's running away. We're going to run into them, God. We're going to be your ambassadors carrying your name. Oh, it'll be our face. But it'll be your name. We're going to speak your language, God. A language of love and reconciliation, forgiveness. We are going to take on the task to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're going to be, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to carry your message with some sense of purpose, some direction, and if you will, God, even a sense of pride in a good way, that this is what you've called us to do, and we'll do it according to your name, And the name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.